entrusted to you. They are not your own. We did not create them. We simply got them bestowed upon us. So first, a faithful steward realized the gifts are God's. He did this, not us. There's nothing we can take credit for. Every thought that a man has thunk was created before a man thunkened it. Every person has a talent of some kind. We, however, did not pick our talents, nor did we create them. In today's message, Pastor Daniel points us to a passage of Scripture that reminds us of where our abilities come from. God has manufactured each individual with the capabilities necessary to do the job He's also created for them. We, in turn, are not to sit on our talents, but rather use them to glorify God and draw people to Himself. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Time, Talents, and Treasures. Imagine if you were walking through a minefield in a war zone. Do you walk the same way? No. You realize that every step, eternity is on the line. Every move that you make could be your last one. That's the picture of walking circumspectly. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are not called by God in this day and age to be nonchalant about our lives. To just walk kind of be like, oh, no big deal. It's going to be great. No, we are called to walk circumspectly. Being careful. Being careful. So a faithful steward will walk in love, will walk in light, and will walk carefully in this world. Because the time is short. Now as we move to talents. A faithful steward realizes God's gifts and invests them. A faithful steward realizes God's gifts and invests them. The first realization, as I said earlier, is that we have been entrusted with talents by God. The gifts are not our own. They are his. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? That rhetorical question, and what do you have that you did not receive? See, this is the difference between the way people outside the church think and the way people inside the church think. Because someone like Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, says, I made myself fast. I did it. Look at me. Check me out how awesome I am. But the reality is, is that as a Christian, we say, you son, you didn't make your legs. You didn't make your lungs to breathe air. Your speediness was a gift. Yes, you were involved in the growing and the nurturing of that gift. But even that dedication was given to you. See, the gifts that you have and the gifts that I have have been bestowed upon us. They're God's gifts that he wants us to handle. They're his gifts. 
And so we don't take credit for it. We can't boast. I can't get off of the stage if you guys thought I did a good sermon and say, I am such a good pulpiteer. People don't talk like that anymore. (sighs) Yes. You know, phenomenal public speaker. No. Did I create language? No. Did I create my mouth? No. Did I create my brain? No. It's a gift. The gifts that God has given you, they are his gifts that he has entrusted to you. They are not your own. We did not create them. We simply got them bestowed upon us. So first, a faithful steward realized the gifts are God's. He did this, not us. There's nothing we can take credit for. Every thought that a man has thunk was created before a man thunkened it. And you can just create language when you want to. Just turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I want to do the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. It's verses 14 to 30. Now, before we start on this parable, I want to make the case that this parable of the talents, I'm talking about a talent as in a gifting. But the talents in this parable, the talent was actually a unit of currency or measurement. The Babylonians had a talent, the Greeks had a talent, the Romans had a talent, and there was a common talent that was in use when Jesus was alive. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the unit of measure or the currency of a talent, it weighed anywhere between 58 to 130 pounds. So if you're talking about a talent of silver, imagine 100 pounds of silver. So in the common vernacular, a talent was the equivalent of 20 years wages for the average laborer. So as we look at this parable, although not talking about areas of giftedness necessarily, the reality is, is that when this Lord or owner is bestowing five talents, that's not a small thing. He's not like here, here's 20 bucks and good luck with it. He's giving a substantial investment. Okay, I wanted to make sure we put that in context as we read it. Because God, I believe, wants to speak to all of us very profoundly through this. So look at this. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16, then he would receive the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he would receive two, gained two more also. But he would receive one, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he would receive the five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you the ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, weeping where you did not sow and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, 
There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know about you, but this parable is not what I would expect to read in the Bible. It's like you read it. And I remember the second time I was reading through the Bible, the Gospels, I read this and I thought to myself, what about God taking that scared servant and giving him a hug and patting him on the head? It's okay, buddy. Sure, you screwed everything up, but I still love you. That's what you'd expect, right? But that's not what you get. Why? Imagine this. Imagine this. There is a man, very wealthy man. He's going to go out on a far journey, like exactly what Jesus has done with us. And he entrusts to his servants, one guy, five talents or a hundred years wages. One guy, two, 40 years wages. And one guy, one. And he says, look, I want you to invest my resources to grow it. And when I come back, you'll give an account. And the guy who had five, what did he do? He went out and he invested He had five, he made five more. The guy who had two, he had two, he made two more. But the guy who had one was scared. So what did he do? He buried it. Maybe too scared to lose the money. Maybe just scared that they didn't know what to do. And when they come back, the guy who had five said, Lord, you gave me five, I invested, I got you five more. And the Lord's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Great job. Come and enter into my joy. You've been faithful. The guy who had two, Got two more. Lord's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Good job. You've been faithful. Enter into your joy. But the person who had won got all freaked out. What did the Lord say to him? You wicked and unprofitable servant. At the very least, you could have taken that talent and given it to the bankers. At least I could have gotten a little interest. But you didn't do anything. Do you see why I said a faithful steward realizes it's God's gifts And we invest them. See, this is the reality for all of us. No matter who you are, no matter what your giftings are, God asks all of us to invest it. Whatever God has given you, he wants you to make an investment into his kingdom with what he's given you. Now, the reality is this. All investments involve risk. All investments do. I remember... When I first got into doing finance, and I did some of that when I was in the Bay Area, people would say to me, oh, well, you know, Daniel, you're young, so now it's time to be your riskiest in investing. You can make the most money if you're the riskiest. But then when you get old, you have to be conservative because you need to preserve your capital. And that's good, sound, material financial advice. But you know what? For the kingdom of God, that's bogus. You know why? Because God asks all of us to be risky all the time. No matter how old or young you are, we are called by God to make radical investments of his gifts and talents into the kingdom. And we have to be as risky as possible as long as he'll give us. Because the reality is, is when you take a risk for God's kingdom, God can do amazing things with it. But for so many of us, we've decided that we need to be conservative with our giftings. As if we're going to run out 
As if God cannot let the velocity of investment be strong. See, the reality is, is although we live in a tough economy right now, the kingdom of heaven is always in a bull market. The greatest investment, any investment you make, if it's a risky investment, putting it all in, all the time, all the way for God, God can do anything through that. And I believe that God wants us as crossroads to get out of this very conservative, we can't take too many risks, and we need to get busy investing what God has given us for his glory on this earth. And sure, maybe the people in the big banks are making risky investments and they're trashing the world economy, but we can make equally risky investments into God's kingdom and we'll only make the world a better place until Jesus returns. So we don't want to let the pendulum of what's going on in modern day investment banking keep us from being the people God has called us to. And that calling is to get rid of the fear and invest ourselves in the kingdom. To be involved with the gifts and talents that are not our own, that are his. And say, Lord, I just want to be used by you. I'm going to push it all in all the time. And what a different life that is, isn't it? I mean, when was the last time you were all in and all the time? Sure, some of us never go all in. Other of us go all in and then we get all out, you know. God's design for Christianity is to be all in all the time. You know how people say, oh, that's radical Christianity? I would always say there's no such thing. Christianity is radical, period. There's not, this is Christianity, and that's really radical Christianity. No, read the book of Acts. And that's why Pastor Bill and I are doing the book of Acts in our showing series, because real Christianity is all the way, pedaled to the metal, hair on fire for the glory of God. And I pray for us as a church, because you look at a congregation this size, the amount of giftings bestowed by God are innumerable. And if we all go all in all the time, what God could do is absolutely beyond human comprehension. If we said, God, I am all in for your glory and your kingdom with this life and giftings you've given me, Lord, what are we, what's going on? Let's just do this. It will be so crazy. I mean, you read the book of Acts, you're like, how cool. And there wasn't as many of them in the book of Acts as there are here in this room right now. Can you even fathom? I can't. My Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered even into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I'm saying to myself, Lord, I want to get my mind blown. I want to get my eyes widened, my hearts opened. But brothers and sisters, we need to invest what God has given us. We need to go all the way in, all the time, in Jesus' name. Can I get an Amen. Amen. So now, finally, our treasures. Our treasures. We did our time. Time is short. We need to walk well. We did our talents. They're God's gifts. And we need to invest them. Finally, our treasures. The faithfulness of your stewardship depends on your heart's treasure. The faithfulness of your stewardship depends on your heart's treasure. Now, for me, this is where the rubber hits the road. Because if I am honest about what goes on in my heart, the treasure of my heart is kind of like a moving target. Because I say, Lord, I want to go all in with you all the way. No messing around. And then something happens, something very normal. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're a little bit off, right? People like to call that mission creep. 
where you're focused and then all of a sudden, slight degrees off. And the reality is, is that if we are going to be faithful stewards, it's going to depend on us by the power of the spirit, keeping our heart's treasure in the right spot. Listen to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Hmm. See, see where I get all in all the time? A man finds a treasure in the field. He wants that treasure so bad, he goes all the way and he sells everything to buy that. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And if we want to say, hey, if you need to be born again, then we need to say, listen, you need to go all in then. Because they're both in the Bible, right? We need to be all in for that treasure, for God's glory. And more commonly about the heart's treasure, of course, is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, one of the questions that we got for this really series is why should we store up treasures in heaven when heaven is already perfect? And the reality is, is that when we ask that type of a question, what we're thinking is that we can make heaven better. And the reality is, is that heaven is exactly the way it ought to be. Our job is not to make heaven better. Our job is to make earth better. The work of the church is to make the earth a little slice of heaven until we get to heaven. And so the reality is, is storing up treasures in heaven while being on earth is living a life that is seeking to see God's will done on earth as it's already done in heaven, making the world a more livable place. And we do that by proclamation and demonstration. We say, look, the way to be fully human is to put your faith and trust in Jesus and follow him because he did it the perfect way and we trust in him and in all the ways that we failed he has done it right and he has forgiven us and not only that we actually believe that so much that we live it out we actually believe it that we do not hold to capitalist economic ideas or socialist economic ideals we hold to the economics of the kingdom And the economics of the kingdom says sufficient for the day is its own worries. And says if you see somebody hungry, you feed them. If you see somebody who's naked, you put clothes on them. You know why? Because if you were naked and hungry, you'd want clothes on you too. And you want food in your belly. And you'd want the gospel proclaimed to you. See, for all of us, wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And I don't know about you guys, But I struggle with the reality that my treasure should be in heaven, but I really do want treasure on earth. I mean, that's where the rubber, right? Because we are citizens of two kingdoms. We, our hearts are here. We live here. We have all the issues of being here now, but yet we're homesick for glory. And we're living in, for most of us, relative ease compared to the rest of the world. And we see these images on the internet or on the television. We say, that's not good, but what can I really do? Rather than saying, you know what, if I were those other people, I wish that people who were in my lot in life would do this for me. And what Jesus teaches is that it's not an either or. We can still live here and be good citizens here and be absolutely engaged for God's glory around the world. See, we're either going to be faithful or unfaithful based on wherever our heart's treasure is. 
I'm just being naked and honest with you guys. My heart's treasure is all over the place. And I have to keep fighting to orient by the spirit, my heart's treasure that is for God's glory. Now, one of the questions that we get, and it's a good question. If God says that we should give generously and without anyone knowing, is it sinful to get a tax write-off on your giving? Now, I would say this. Jesus said that we should render to Caesar what's Caesar's and render to God what's God's. So what that means is that we should give Caesar or the government what they want, but we shouldn't give them any more. And it is a blessing that they allow us to write off our charitable giving. And I think we should enjoy it while it's here. I have no hope in the government. So while it's here, it's kind of like a great cupcake with a couple M&Ms sprinkled on top. But the reality is, is that if we wouldn't give, if it wasn't a write-off, then we show that our hearts are the wrong spot, isn't it? Sometimes we almost don't realize what giving does. Like one of our missionaries is back in the States right now. I just met her a couple weeks ago. She's in Mexico. Our tithe dollars goes to get the gospel out in Mexico and in Africa. And all these kids gave their lives to Jesus at VBS because VBS was free. And it was a safe place to come to. And it was completely done well with all these volunteers. And the gospel goes out in all these different forms. People and over the airwaves and all these different things. We have a food pantry. Our VBS collected 2,000 cans. You got to love kids, man. It's so awesome. They're just like, yeah, they're bringing it. My son's like, I need some cans for the food pantry. We're going to feed the poor in Jesus' name. I'm like, preach it, brother. Preach it. See, when we store up treasures in heaven, what you realize is that every need or everything that you really want, you begin to see on earth. Because what happens is as we give, and as we get out of that self-centered mode of it's all about me, it's my stuff, it's mine, I want this, I want that, and we start helping people, you start realizing that what really fulfills your soul is seeing God's will done in somebody else's life. And when you, when we, inspired by the Holy Spirit, live out the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you start being absolutely overjoyed in the reality that if when I'm hungry, I hope someone would feed me. Oh, someone's hungry, I want to go feed them. See, and then all of a sudden, we can loosen the grip on these earthly things. And we realize that you can't outgive God anyway. You can't outgive him anyway. See, For you and I, we have to remember that our stewardship's faithfulness depends on what our hearts treasure. And we need to ask God by his spirit to help us to treasure him and his glory alone. Because there are a lot of suitors for that throne in our hearts, isn't there? And good things, not even necessarily evil things, good things being put in the wrong place. And I believe that with our time, our talents, and our treasures, God wants to make us faithful stewards of His kingdom. Jesus is real. Many attempt to amass a fortune here on earth. But as Pastor Daniel reminded us today, we should be focusing on building up our heavenly treasure. As we seek to do our part to further God's kingdom, His blessings will be made known and we will reap a reward. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks, Tracy. We also want to encourage every Jesus is Real radio listener to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. We've purchased time on this radio station, and this message has been professionally produced. This all comes at a cost. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of August, we'll send you a handmade leather bracelet with the word real on it. This bracelet was designed to be a helpful reminder to pray for Jesus is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to support Jesus is Real Radio. Today's message concluded Pastor Daniel's informative series answering some of the toughest questions people ask about Christian living. We hope you've gained a new perspective on many subjects and desire to dig deeper into the Word for even more answers. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled, Really? Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.